Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Udang Dhammang Sangang Namasami Deep attention, wise attention. Mm. What is happening? What is needed? Mm. What is happening? What is not needed? What should be relinquished or put aside or unnecessary? Mm. What's happening? What should be borne in mind? attuned to, made much of, mm, lingered in, mm, enriched, mm, taken into the body, dwelt upon, mm, made as an object of mindfulness. So this is directly dressing chitta, the effective sense. We're talking about jitta, um, the subject, the effective sense, the me that is affected, um, the I that responds, um, that base being touched. So this is uh, different from the salayatana, the six fold sense spheres, including the sphere of mind, mano, mental cogitation and deliberation. So we're asking the question or dropping the question into jitta, another word we might say for that jitta awareness. Another word presence here. What's happening here? Mm. This can be useful because the word here will, will most clearly direct us towards body. And um, you can look at it one of two ways, either, you know, jitta arises with, 
with body as a basis, just like vision arises with the eye organ as a basis, taste arises with with the tongue as a basis, and jitter arises with whole body as a basis. Or you could say jitter is the body has intelligence, the body has jitter. It's just words. But uh, the word here brings us into something we can sense. There's a bodily resonance to that mm, presence. And this first of all may be somewhat uh, mysterious. You know, what's here, what's here, what? No, you, can't, you can't find it as an object. Because mm, it's the real thing. Mm. Reality is not an object. Otherwise, you, you know, how can you witness reality, you'd have to stand outside it. <laughs> so the real thing cannot be witnessed as an object. But it's, uh, it can be, uh, there's a sympathetic resonance that runs through the body when we touch into that, which is a sense of imminence, presence, collectedness, centeredness, and very direct, uncontrovertible, uh, uh, experience, resonances, uh, pleasant, they may be agreeable, disagreeable, disorienting, but you know, there's resonance being received in various ways, confused ways, clear ways, uh, obstructing resonance that feels too disorienting. Mm. So this is what we're dropping questions gently into or demand as a gentle what's here what's what's happening now what's the first resonance uh, mm, calm gladness agitation ripples of some kind anxieties urges to do to have to be to get going make something happen, mm, it's kind of precious. And just naming it, even your naming is not that clear, just naming pressure, uh, trembly, um, centered, uh, stable, not stable, mm, fast, it doesn't really matter, Just you're just using something to keep reference to that and dwelling in it. Mm. What's needed, what does it need, not what do you want, but what do you think, what does it seem as if that resonance would respond to? The calming or the centered or the gentle or the kind or the firming. Mm. So this is one's wise consideration, deep attention, directing to chitta. This is what one, uh, one attends to this. <coughs> now the salatana, six sense spheres, are a secondary uh, construction that arises whereby those messages are imbued through the ear, the eye, the nose, the tongue, tactile sense and thought, whereby the experience of fear is experienced, I am frightened of her, him, them, that, and it becomes subject-object. I'm oppressed by uh, the future, uh, the past, uh, the world. Mm. 
myself. <laughs> I'm irritated by myself, my mind, other people. The world of subjects and objects arises. That's the secondary salayatana. And once it's in there, then the experience is one of a, <coughs> of a person or a kind of a yeah, an entity or an individual who is either beset with suffering and stress and trying to find a way out of it, or is hitting a good patch and enjoying it and make, trying to make sure it lasts and not get disturbed by other things. <laughs> uh, it's such a, a not, uh, these, are, these are not stable conditions because no, they're conditions and they're not stable. So even the good patch good as it is, you say, ah, now I'm a good patch, now is the time to really, you know, benefit from the clarity this gives me. Not to just attach to this, to get stuck in this good patch and try to defend it, but uh, what does it make possible for dispassion, for letting go of unskillful tendencies, since my mind is now quite restful and nourished and happy. Certainly, this is what one is encouraged to find those benevolent spaces. But as we know, even in relatively benevolent situations where there's no war, there's no disease, uh, there's no loud crashing and banging, there's nobody threatening, still, you know, we'll get warm, fed, uh, don't have to worry about it, don't have to manage anything, still, one can be, find oneself in a domain, an internal domain of anxiety and oppression, guilt, worry, and so forth. Because, you know, contact, mental contact persists, independent of <laughs> visual contact. And of course, we can, once that's there, that domain of ill will or fear or nervousness is there, doesn't take long for those that potencies, those anutsaya, those latent tendencies to find something to get. It's because of that, yeah, the heat or the cold or the somebody scraping their chair on the floor or you know, I don't know why you looked at me or something, and there it is, subject object, certain uh, you know, uh, confirmed. This is this massing, this densiting, this consolidation of dukkha. Mm. And yeah, you know, then where are you going to go where that doesn't happen? And it can be a very pleasant place and think you're not good enough for it. Think another place, very pleasant place, think other people aren't good enough for it. <laughs> A pleasant place, you think you'd like to change it slightly to make it just a little bit this way or that way. <laughs> change the nature of the Buddha or have a, put some guild gilding on it or something they are, you know. Or now I'm like this, what'll happen when I go home? Oh no, I can't manage, you know. This is the way. <laughs> The mind kind of throws out its doubt and uncertainties and anxieties into a, 
a generated world and in retreat you get to see that more clearly hopefully the generation of the world the arising of the world and the Buddha says the arising of the world is in the body because it's and you can (laughs) you know track that agitation that trembling that tightening that urging that surging that in in your embodied state there you are then this is direct this is right on the button there's nobody else in here doing it that's in your body right and it's right there that you can come to the awareness of that and ah now this body sense is restricted it's not the complete whole form it's just the chest or the head or the belly or somewhere contracting or heat running through the body it's not the evened out steady body it's not got feet it's not stable it's not have lost the space element if i return to that is that what's needed would that help you know jitter to in jitter senses it does and once one's jitter becomes wiser you begin to see these seemingly illogical steps mm. you know how is coming into my feet going to solve my problem with him because <laughs> he's, he's like this and like that oh no he just come into your feet <laughs> and then oh well it seems he's like this but doesn't really matter <laughs> and after all maybe that's oh yeah he also does this you suddenly see it in a broader, broader perspective and one I dwell upon not the irritating factors of this person but the non-irritating factors that would be better oh yeah yeah so you start to the, 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 the widening effect gives you a chance to come out of the, the locked perspective on one particular facet uh, you come into a more holistic sense and you see oh well you know yes he's disagreeable but at least he's not stabbing me (laughs) 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 or at least only see him you know three times a day for ten minutes not all day long well that's okay you know you see something where you can get some sense of relief from that contact impression hmm? and then you can address the thing more more wisely hmm. more balanced so this is wise consideration deep attention helps to uproot the asava of ignorance which is always getting us off the point of liberation which is this is jitta here mm. this is what's affecting it what's needed here that's the point of liberation mm. jitta, ignorance throws us out into a world of me and them future and past the scenario that awaits me in two months time the history and so on throws us out to that which is certainly a world that has its a domain that has its own 
logic and operate, and we op- can operate in that domain, but it's not the domain of liberation. And so one just wisely attends to that domain, recognizing, ah, oh, this is where I get, this is where the sense of ill will arises, this is where the sense of greed arises. Let me be more careful about that particular base. Mm. This is called restraint. <laughs> yeah. So even when one is touched by objects that are uh, arousing of ambition or covetousness, one, let me be more restrained. Mm. That feeling, that sense of itchy reaching out, mm, let's wait, just what's needed now. Abide in contentment, bring to mind topics, objects of contentment rather than that discontent, which is what greed does. Greed promises you happiness, but actually it gives you discontent. (laughs) Yeah, so it promises good fortune. If you buy one of these, get one of those. But what it actually gives you right now is discontent. Otherwise, if you're not discontent, you don't want the thing, do you? So it has to stimulate the sense of you could be better, you could have more, it could be nicer, you could look better, uh, people would like you more, you'd be more fun, uh, appraised, loved, adored. Uh, if you had one of these, did one of these, bought one of these, dressed like this, got there, wow, that would be good, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> then what are you getting? Discontent your will towards yourself. That's what it's giving you. Mm. So you think, and then you begin, oh, if you follow some of these patterns for a while and you recognize all the hassle and stress people go to, to make themselves seemingly likable, approved of, attractive, interesting to others, and it's stressed out, trying to keep the whole ar- artifice going. And still not contented because the base of contentment has not been attended to. Only the base of discontent. <laughs> but we don't even notice this discontent. That's ignorance. It doesn't refer to chitta. It refers to the media messages. And what do you think, what do you think the media messages are going to be? <laughs> uh, this is some soap, but you don't bother to buy this if you don't really feel like it. <laughs> It's just called soap. It's not called wonderful, tender, loving, kissing your face soap. It's just soap. (laughs) It's not got honey, rhubarb, cucumber, cinnamon, ginseng. It's just soap to clean the skin with. So those things are, you know, and yet the wrong, the vipalasa sees in the attractive, you know, something, sees the attractive what's not attractive. It actually hurts the chitta to have you pulled out. Yeah. The sign of the attractive is, 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 a, is a wearying to the chitta, actually. <laughs> that pulling out, generating discontent. So be really careful with this because this is very much in a you know consumer world. 
This is the, the ethos of the, of the mainstream. And to not generate contentment, to generate discontent. And then, you know, when, when we following that, people get well, greedy, really, but it can seem like it doesn't call greed, it's called something else, what they call it, progressive or upwardly mobile or something. <laughs> Successful, I think they call it. But then it doesn't, you'll get, get more and more, you've got people with billions, billions. And so, and still not contented because the quality of contentment has not been touched into, only the quality of discontent. You know, what human need requires a billion when some people aren't getting a thousand? <laughs> you know, so it's because of that you see the, the incredible inequality and all the reasonable discontent that can arise around that, you know? We're generating through somebody really f not attending to contentment, not taking responsibility for it, not cultivating it. Their discontent generates further discontent by their greed pulling resources out from being equally shared. Mm. What if we were discontent with, you know, as the Buddha says, the monk content with bowl and robes, roof over the head for the night. Okay, that's that's a high standard, but just modest living. Okay, yeah. It's almost against the law <laughs> to do that. And then the results. You are living way, way above what is reasonably manageable in terms of planetary resources. So other people have to starve or be impoverished or be, you know, not get adequate res uh, resources. No one recognizes this, this corruption. Let me be one who practices contentment. Let this be something I attend to. I am. I am fed. I have shelter. Uh, I, am pres I am safe from the elements. Mm. Well, that's something. And tune into that. No one is attacking me. People are keeping precepts. I'm safe. Let me attend to that. Generate me. Make much of it. This is one's mindfulness. One keeps bearing in mind that sign, the sign of the citta. One bears that chit sign in mind, and thereby one quells the discontent, the trembling, the agitations, and the proliferations of I am this, I always am this. He is that, they are that, they always are, they always will be, he did this, she never did that. One quells that, saying this is not worth giving more energy to now. Now is the time to attend to the sign of contentment or safety or stability. Hmm. And make much of it. This is one's mindfulness. From wise consideration, deep attention, one sees the sign that has to be born in mind. This is one's mindfulness. And then bearing that in mind, one absorbs in it. This is one's samadhi. Till absorbing in that, there isn't even the, the impingement of objects of discontentment. They don't even get in with mindfulness. They're there and you keep 
holding this form and repelling those influences. When it deepens into samadhi, that contact ceases and you're just in that sphere. This is process, graduated process of picking up the sign of the mind and generating, and through mindfulness, bearing it in mind, and absorbing it, taking it in. So throughout one's entire body, until there's no part of one's body that's not suffused, drenched in the results of that. And this is called jhana. Mm. Absorption. Mm. And so it gives a chance for the entire form to, to be reset from these uh, 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 res- residues. Because it's not, you know, that's clearing out old karma. Mm. A lot of this is, um, you know, this is the work, this is chitta coming into that. That's the possibility. Mm. And just bearing in, realizing this sense, sixth sense fold consciousness, that is birth, aging and death. It's not going to provide anything that goes beyond that, now is the time. Yeah, clear out your, your attachment, your inheritance, your legacy with that one. Yeah, and all that it brings, all the thoughts and the memories and the associations, particularly the manayatanam, the mind sphere. Now is the time while you still have an embodied presence and able to listen to Dhamma. Yeah, to really reset, clear, clean out for your welfare in the present and in the future and for the welfare of others. Mm. How does one attend, you know, when one is afflicted with the, the signs of the desirable? One contemplates this desire, is agitating, stressful doesn't get me anywhere that's finally satisfying. Mm, it seems so obsessive. It seems so luminous. This thing that I want, this person that I want, this state that I want seems so important, so flooding my mind. And then come back into right here, your body, the whole form, the midline particularly, which is not affected. There's this, always this one clear strand in all this tangle of embodiment. The upright, the core center, the midline, somewhere in there, the real here-ness of here is essentially unaffected. Then you're just orienting to that and beginning to turn the tide of effects by generating the sphere of goodwill, the sphere of compassion, the sphere of gladness, the sphere of equanimity. This is one's mindfulness, this is one's work, this is one's practice. Turning the spheres from the sphere of dukkha, that, uh, which generates a subject suffering and unsatisfactory objects, generating a craving subject with desirable objects, generating a frightened subject with fearful objects, 
and so on. You know. And whenever we get into that, as the chitta moves into that subject-object thing, be very mindful, be very attentive, see what's happening. Uh, and then in association with good people, ah, in this domain, there is the effect of uh, trust, safety. Ah, let me pick that up. In this domain, there is the sense of wisdom or kindness. Ah, let me pick that up. Tune into it, pick it up, make much of it. This is because actually on a resonant level, jitter is the real thing. It's not, it's the real thing, it's always happening, but we don't see it. So it's not to say there is nothing else out there that we can't be affected by, but noticing the effects and where you sense the, or how you sense those good effects come into play, when there's silence or friendship or virtue or chanting or something or the other, ah, there's a sign. My mind is gladdened, my mind is comforted, my mind made assured, let me dwell in that sign. Pick it up, make much of it, take it in. Uh, use it to, to expel the signs of agitation, depression, sadness, impotence, frustration. This is one's sustaining of sati, mindfulness and clear comprehension. Jitta is holistic. Mm. Awareness is holistic, attention is dualistic. And uh, not to say that attention doesn't, uh, isn't an important factor in meditation, uh, but attention has to be carefully handled. It's not just a, a thing one should use without care, without uh, consideration. And one of the Perhaps negative effects or side effects of meditation can be an emphasis on attention over awareness. Certainly attention is needed, but the but of it is, is how does this make you more obsessive? Does it make you more fixated? Does it just carry your got to do messages deeper and deeper? (laughs) Does it do that? Then this is not wise attention that's really uh, amplified with, with wisdom and understanding. It's just the same thing. You know, got to make, got to have, got to do, got to be. The same message of discontent and anxiety and becoming. So attention is not a neutral factor. It's a factor that carries either elements of ignorance or elements of clarity. And we should be very careful of that, noticing how attention can get completely fixated on what outside of that could seem as just a tiny detail. What are you going to bother about that for? You know? But isn't that, isn't that one of the kind of standard remarks about retreats, people getting obsessed about minutiae, which of them are not minutiae. They have powerful effects because they represent something. Okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough, you know, 
sounds, sights can represent all kinds of things, but have a reasonable sense of responsibility for that. I'm affected in this way, and then, okay, this is the sign of feeling disappointed or something. Or, hmm. And let me instead focus on, I, am, I have a place to stay, I'm warm. Okay, my, new, my requisites are supplied. When people are keeping precepts, focus on that, make much of that until the mind comes out of its vipaka, its residues of agitation or whatever. Yeah. It's clung to states. This is all compassionate, and, and the language of it, you see, it's never, I cling to this. The Buddha never says, no, it's not, I cling. See, there is clinging. And in the clinging domain of clinging, the manifestation that is, I, him, I, her, I, that. In the manifestation of that, is that kind of thing. Yeah. We're not denying there is, but this intersubjectivity rather than subject-object. Mm-hmm. So it's not say I. Cl- it's not that I give rise to clinging. It says you know, correctly understood. It's contact and tanha <laughs> give rise to clinging. Not I. So it's not I am such an attached person, but with the arising of contact is the rising of craving and so forth, feeling, craving, clinging. If you can't get all of it, you notice, you know, just the sense of clinging is associated with some kind of urge to have or to get away from. Okay, that's call that tanha. It's not that you have a lot of desire, not that you're a craving kind of person, but just you get down to the real actuality of it. This is the effect of craving in the system. It's not even that I have a lot of it, it's just there is this. And attending, recognizing that, okay, where is the absence of that? And a very helpful just reminder, a kind of resonance to place into chitta when it's in this kind of feverish state is, there is the given. There is the given. It arose without craving or you didn't crave for it. What is the given? Well, you could say some senses, well, food is given, shelter is given, but even more important, air is given, breath is given, life is given, space is given, uh, intelligence is given, birth is given, the ground beneath me is given, the space above my head is given. Fact. (laughs) What isn't given? (laughs) It's all... The only thing that isn't given is suffering. That's what I create. The rest of it is kind of, there it is. So you come into the ground, the sense of, I've been received. Mm. And this again is this little, because this craving is so, so built in that it occurs at a jitter level, not even at a conscious level. And it's often associated with the primary arising of jitter in the sense spheres. So 
if you just bear with me a while, I'm coming into birth, you know, one arises, or there's a rising of, the, the, you know, the sight, sound, touch, a world where there's this impingement which generates the experience of subject and object. And that's a very, you know, crucial and vulnerable time, you know, when one is born. Mm. And that, the need, real need then for security, groundedness, to feel I am welcome, I am safe, I am comfortable, I am, you know, and that, that isn't just for a moment, that's, off, that's for years actually. With increasing, until the center becomes clear that we are really, really helpless and vulnerable. And we still are, you know, age 50 is still, it's still possible. But, you know, even more basic is the primary configurations that occur, you know, in the, in the first few years. And this is where, you know, it's so deeply sad to hear of, uh, you know, childhood abuse and people whose arising was not in a realm of goodwill and welcome, but, you know, or their early life was not imbued with that quality. Mm. And when we bear this in mind, we also recognize, you know, in the public domain, is unconditioned love the norm? No. <laughs> you know, it's the sense of the age of three you start having to become something. <laughs> be cute or be tidy or be something or the other. Yeah. And so on it goes on and on and on. And as you're as you're coming up, that message is very much so naturally there isn't a sense of wherever you are, that's fine. Basically in the hearness of it, that's that's manageable, it's not, you know, it's acceptable. And that's, we call that basic love, as I call it, basic love. Basic love is not uh, kind of sugary or sweet, it's just the sense of, well, you're here, aren't you? That's okay, because, yeah, that's a space for that. There's, uh, uh, you know, there's, you don't have to deserve something to be here. You don't have to be anything to be here because you are here. <laughs> right? It's, you know, you arise in this. You didn't have to ask by permission to be <laughs> You know, on a kind of very fundamental level, you're here because, it sounds so silly, doesn't it? Because you're here. There's no qualifiers around it. You're not here because you're good enough to be here. You're not here because you're smart enough to be here, or tidy enough to be here, or sweet enough to be here, or important enough to be here, or something or the other. There's no, there's no qualifiers. You're here because you're here. And a certain that kind of very primary channel in chitta to be touched into, because it often finds that, that at a very basic level, there isn't that, that gut understanding a sense of, well, I should be doing something to make it okay to be here. I should stop being something in order to be okay being. I don't quite it is I should stop being, but I should stop being something. And this is the problem of the, you know, the, the, the little one who doesn't quite understand why people are getting upset around her or him, or why somebody shouted at her or him, or why they walked out on her or him, doesn't quite get it. So there's something wrong with me. 
I'm not, I shouldn't be this. I should be something else. So this kind of fundamental doubt about, core doubt about being can occur through parenting experience. And unfortunately, you know, the way it goes, uh, parents are the inheritors of their karma and they have afflictions and confusions and pressures. So they're not necessarily able to, to be all that is necessary, all that is really healthy. Uh, and so, you know, so that fundamental resonance of doubt and uncertainty of being can be very, very deeply embedded, generating all kinds of uncertainties about one probably is something that isn't, but isn't good enough. You don't know quite what it is. It isn't good enough. So to be sure, you make it everything about you isn't good enough. Then that will cover all of it, won't it? <laughs> don't leave anything out. So let's have a look. Your body isn't good enough. Uh, your height's not good enough. Your girth isn't good enough. Your skin's not good enough. Okay, that's covered that. How about <laughs> your mind? <laughs> your, your emotions aren't good enough. They're rocky, they're untidy. Your thoughts aren't good enough. Uh, anything else? Well, anything else, just, just bear it in mind, it won't be good enough. <laughs> then you'll have it all covered. Because the sense is, if you, if you know you're not good enough, then you can kind of defend and hide and shut it all down so that people won't notice you're not good enough. Then you'll be okay. Until somebody looks at you, you think, oh, he thinks I'm not good enough. As <laughs> 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 soon as you get contact, oh, it's that resonance of fear, uncertainty. Because you've got the not good enough viruses printed over your sense of being, and as soon as you come into being witnessed, the not good enough sense occurs. In fact, when you even start to witness your own mind, the not good enough thing occurs. <laughs> the very fact of witnessing triggers the not good enough, whether it's internal or external. My mind is not good enough. I should be. And then there's the list. Mindful, samadhi, jhana, liberation, kindness, supreme, intelligent, clear, composed, collected, restrained, no defilements. That's, that, that's it, that's the good enough, and I'm not it. So, how does the unafflicted person become the affli- un- how does the afflicted person become the unafflicted person? It's a koan. How does the afflicted person become the unafflicted person? <laughs> right? How was it ever possible? How could an afflicted person, stupid, incompetent, lacking in resolution, not calm, not clear, obsessive, finicky, petty, fearful, agitated, and anxious, anymore? You name it. You probably fill out the list. How could they ever become any enlightened? Answer: Impossible. Right. Got it. So, just just better stop being that person. <laughs> come into the primary presence of here, <laughs> just slip out the back door, <laughs> stop building the person. <laughs> you don't have to become. Right? That's, that's the kind of, that's the possibility. That's a possibility. Mm. So, and this is really, you know, why and then you can attend to that sign, the sign of the 
open, there's present, there's stable. And then, you know, and then you pick up what's needed, whereas the mind teeters over into the inadequate, the incompetent, the failing. Wait a minute, what's needed? Generate the qualities of compassion, generosity, goodwill. Okay, generate the sphere of it. Just to, kind of like you're coming out of balance, what takes you back into balance. And it's a um, holistic experience rather than a particular object. The object can trigger holistic thing. Holistic thing means not I have it or I become it, I've got it, but I'm in that domain, the domain of goodwill. And that domain of goodwill can then touch either the afflicted person or the afflictive object. Yeah, you get it? So the domain of goodwill is, you know, can either touch the afflicted objects, you know, the objects that seem to cause affliction, or the afflicted subject. Uh, So, okay, this person is annoying, is disappointing, doesn't ever get it right, and the sense of, oh well, let me not make it worse for myself by, by experiencing this rancor, disappointment, and bitterness. <laughs> and maybe with that, uh, may he be well. Because if he's in a, he's a mess already, why, it could look like he could use some help. <laughs> or to this, to this being, let me not add to this by my make my getting annoyed and irritated about it. Of course, it sounds very logical because I'm having to use words, but it's that it's that loving sense, that gentle loving sense. And we need perhaps we sometimes. How can an unloving person become a loving person? How someone is so miserable, bitter, cynical, and uh, negative? How can they ever become a loving person? Well. Yeah. Come back to here. Presence given. You are loved. You are held. This is held. Feel that the safety, the primary sense. You have arisen. You're aware. This has been given to you. You're blessed. Dwell in that. Make much of that. Abide in that, and the sphere of goodwill arises, the sphere of gratitude arises, and then you can begin to sense the person that you may feel you are, begins to just soften a little. They're blessed. And they soften a little, they soften a little. Oh, uh, and as soon as it softens a tad, you begin to sense there's another possibility here. So this is the holistic paradigm and um, this does help to inform uh, the that which one should then place attention upon, uh, bearing attention upon, the bearing of attention we could call sati, mindfulness. Mm. And there's such a thing as wrong mindfulness when you either you know, attend to something that is just obsessive fixations or you attend to something that's kind of irrelevant really. 
you know, okay, you can focus on this little point sensation in your leg or something, but you're not dealing with the real thing, which is your crabby mind. <laughs> you know, the, the mind state, for example. So we're just careful. You know, the awareness and the awareness, intelligent awareness, jitta, uh, where one picks up the sign of the, the beautiful, the clear, the stable. And then from there, what perceptions are useful to bear in mind, make much of, dwell upon, saturate yourself in, saturate this karmic configuration in. It's that saturating in the good this is the way that one expels the bad, not through aversion, by saturating in the good, whatever the good is experienced that for you. It could be clear, could be bright, could be beautiful, could be relief, could be don't need to, could be restful. What is the beautiful? Hmm? So the sphere of goodwill, for example, is said to have the realm of the sphere of the beautiful as its culmination. Mm. Mm. The sphere of the domain or the, the potency of karuna has the sphere of infinite uh, space. There's no pressure. There's nothing re- I have to resist, nothing I have to create a boundary against. Um, the sphere of, go- of gladness, mudita, as infinite consciousness, as its uh, culmination. Mm. Mm. So, mm. this means, well, Mudita is great, actually, because with this you, you, you share your consciousness with other beings. Mm. This is why it's boundless. Mm. Instead of, well, this is mine, that's hers. You know. Uh, infinite, boundless. Uh, oh, there's, there's the happiness in another being. Ah, oh, I can feel that. Uh, in some ways, this is great because you don't have to do any of the work yourself. Just enjoy other people's stuff. <laughs> Except it does take quite a bit of work to get to do that. <laughs> but then this is a kind of one of the, one of the things you you contemplate when you. You know, contemplating triple gem, you know, there's Buddha. Oh, beautiful. I didn't have to be Buddha, but there was Buddha. Oh, wonderful. You know, you take in this, the delight in the good, and then you're trying to cultivate that. You know, so and so, you know, you go to a group interview, and this person's talking about their absorptions, and you're going, God, damn, you know, absorptions. I'm just stuck in grubby defilements and you feel jealous impotent negative and think oh she's experiencing absorption how beautiful you turn you know you take it in and you absorb it and you feel delighted by it this is mudita it's non-finite consciousness doesn't have edges to it we're able to you know take in we don't take this particular mindset as really you know the thing I have to constantly be kind of a orient around, you know. Mm. Sphere of uh, equanimity has uh, no thing as its, as its culmination. Yeah. Mm. 
which means instead of the uh, the kind of jarring where you go into a good and a bad and a good person, bad person and a nice time and a bad time, you, know, you get this kind of breaking up. You know, this is the shifting and changing of things. Beings, we're in the sphere of karma. What else do you expect? We're in the sphere of afflicted beings. What else? You know, of beings faring on according to their karma. So instead of, you know, rushing into it with despair and excitement, this is beings faring on according to their karma. Mm. These are, you know, just just helpful to to bear in mind, really, mm. because it's not as if, and even the chanting, unfortunately, doesn't quite get it right because of the nature of the English language. The English language always has this "I do," "I practice loving kindness," you know, "I generate goodwill towards another person." Pali doesn't say that. It says there is the sphere of goodwill extending in all directions, this way, that way, thoroughly around. It doesn't even have a pronoun to it. <laughs> of course, you can't, it's difficult to translate it, so it translates to others as to myself, because that gives you a rough idea of you know, the domain. It doesn't actually say that. It just says thoroughly in all dimensions, directions. It's you know, holistic, in fact. And so, you know, the English language always cuts the eye becomes a separate word, but in very not, not it is used occasionally in, in the Pali, but often it's, there's no particular thing. It's just uh, you know, for the enlightenment factors, it's, there is the presence of goodwill in one who cultivates it, you know, this kind of thing. <coughs> and it's this, uh, you know, the language paradigm. So partly, you know, we're also inheriting a particular language setup that very much isolates the subject into some entity, separate, which it never is. It's never separate. It's always conjoined with something. But in the here, where the subject doesn't manifest as some particular thing, you don't have to have that same paradigm subject object instead there's just the jitta resounding and then we notice ah oh, this is how is the whole body now this is the base of jitta how are the energies in the legs or the feet the soles of the feet the hands the temples the eyes the throat the chest the back oh, just just check it out how is that and then you maybe pick up particular resonances that can be give a quality of something just a little bit uh, opening or just a little bit brightening just a little bit steadying mm. and then oh when I did that 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 memory came up or that memory disappeared or that perception arose, or that perception shifted, or the emotion moved and shifted. Hmm, that's interesting. Mm. Because this is a holistic paradigm, embodied mind. Mm. 
then one feels a sense of the always you know the question what is needed now just to turn back to that and ask it in an open way what is not needed what is needed and then to come into wholeness pick up the sign that chitta offers this is jangly or tense or open or warm and then respond in accordance with it Having done so, one establishes that domain as the basis of one's sati, one's mindfulness, and you firm it up. You breathe it. You stay in that domain, experiencing breathing from that domain, from that in that paradigm, in a holistic sense. Yeah, and this very much helps to undo some of the um, um, difficulties one can have with just. Un- unskilled attention to breathing because it jams it up. But skillful attention will lead to absorption, and this is one's welfare and benefit. Therefore, the skillful must be established, you know, in conjunction with attention, perhaps even prior to attention. The dependent arising of attention dependent upon a jitter that is not corrupted, tensed up in tanha upadana bhava. Craving, clinging, becoming. <coughs> mm. 